A quick pre-warning. One, two, three. A quick pre-warning. Today's episode features a rude word. Not the rudest of words, but definitely a rude word. So if you listen with your family, when we get to the poem, there is a rude word in it. A rude word we were allowed at 7.30 on a Sunday evening on Radio 3, if that contextualises at all. But, you know, society's breaking down and they'll let anything on anywhere these days. Be warned. You have been warned. And on with the show. The show must go on. And will go on. The show is on. Now, the show is on. This is the show. After this. This isn't the show yet. This is the pre-show. But the show is after this. Now, the show. Hi. Uh, Hello. Welcome to the 33rd demonstration of the system. We got a message from one of our beloved listeners. Uh, That's you. You are our beloved listeners. Or you are a beloved listener of ours, depending on how you're receiving this information. And the message asked us uh, why Mike Westcott was not world famous. And I mean, it asked in a way that implied it almost might be our fault. But I do want to say that it's not our fault. It's great for us that he, for now, is our little secret. But this can't remain the case forever. The world's not that crazy, even despite the evidence of the last few years. And this is him. Chapter 5, Last Exit to Ryslip Gardens. So, yeah, I've been on Young Work Finders Quick Start Scheme. On it, could have told them, finding work's not quick. So right, Barlake, and the only way they did it was making me a top security cleared agent to temp at the Cabinet Office. Now, at the Cabinet Office, they've had a lot of these quangos they're trying to get rid of. Sounds proper racist. It's not, because what a quango is, is it's a bit of the government that they set up, but they can't remember what it's supposed to be doing. And whenever they get rid of one, I have to fill in this Q48 form, saying its name, and what it was that nobody could remember it did, and why they're getting rid of it. Which is either, nobody can remember what it's doing, so whatever it is it's doing, they can probably do without. Or, if nobody can remember what it's doing, but whatever it is it's doing still does need doing, then somebody who needed it doing, but forgot the thing already doing it was already doing it. I'd probably set up another one to do it anyway. And one day I got called in to see the cabinet secretary, who's not a secretary, in fact he's a bloke. I was ready for that, but I weren't ready for seeing Sunita Ashcroft in there with him. Okay, so you don't know Sunita Ashcroft. Well, this was back in Farnworth, and okay, so... Dick and Dom were on, but they weren't yucky balls, so I must have been about ten. She were a bit older, going to Bolton Tech, and she used to babysit for us. Only, we used to uh, muck about. And this one time, we locked her in Lee McGinty's shed, you know, for longer than it was funny. Like, it was about a week. I'm not proud of it. <laughs> we fed her on Arribos. I'm not proud of it. And now the cabinet secretary starts talking about this one quango that they'd missed because it was top secret. Only all I could think was either Sunita Ashcroft's already told him about Liam McGinty's shed or she's about to. And I must have blazed over because he said maybe Sunita should explain it as she'd been in charge of it. And Sunita said, have you ever heard of the multiverse? I said, well, there's one on reception, but most of it's on internet now. She said, what? And I said, you mean that little cradle that goes round with cards with phone numbers? She said, no, don't forget about that. 
The multiverse is a principle of quantum physics whereby at every event the universe divides and each possible outcome takes place in its own parallel universe. Do you understand? I said, well, yeah, we're on Red Dwarf that one time. She said, yes. Yes, it was. Well, we've got one. And now I knew this wasn't going to be about Liam McGinty's shed. She said there was a place out by Cheltenham where they were keeping this multiverse. I can't say I took it all in how it worked, but it was to do with quantum frequencies and um, atoms. She said, it's not 100% cock on. They couldn't get most of Norway for some reason, and a lot of the animals are magnetic, but it's good enough. They'd created it during the Cold War, doing experiments into altering history. Can they make it so Lennon have been a girl sort of thing? But the alternate universes it made were too far out of whack to be any use. So they handed it over to the cabinet office to use for doing dry runs on smaller decisions. Like what would happen if they put an extra lane on the M1 or VAT on Birdseed? And then she broke off and said, why don't she take me over to her office at the MOD to get the stuff for me Q48? Well, all this had raised a lot of questions. So, as we set off walking, I asked her the obvious one. She said, no, she'd not told them about Liam McGinty's shed. I said, oh, thanks. Had you forgotten about it? She said, no. No, she'd not forgotten about Liam McGinty's shed. And that in the shed, she'd realised two things. That she had to get as far from Farmworth as she could. And that she could cope in confined spaces. So... After Bolton Tech, she'd done a bit on nuclear submarines and a bit in one of them colliders. And that's where they'd spotted her for looking after this multiverse. I said, Mint, and bit of a coincidence, me winding up here and all, eh? She said, No, it's not. Because one of these scenarios they asked her to try out was whether picking any old scrope from a job centre and sticking them in the cabinet office on Young Workfinders Quick Start Scheme might not be a total shit shower. And she picked Farnworth. And she did it on a Monday, which was my day to sign on. And it was also my day to sign on in the multiverse. And, well, she kept her cards close to her chest. But she said nobody had actually died, so they'd taken me on in real life. Which, if you think about it, makes me kind of a chosen one. Not saying I'm Jesus or one of them lot, but... Okay, so you know when you're at Chicken Cottage and you ask for a piece of chicken and they say choose one? So you choose one, and then if it's a bit mank, you don't send it back, because it's the one you chose. Something like that. When we got to Sunita's office, she started pulling up the information for me Q48, and I said, I can't believe nobody wants this thing anymore. She said, that's not why we're shutting it down. She said, lately, it got more and more unstable. Last month, they'd been banning e-cigarettes in it, and a town in Denmark just exploded. I asked what's making it do that all of a sudden and she said, actually, it's a bit embarrassing. It's Card Clash. Card Clash can get you charged twice for the same journey but she said it can also cause a quantum intersectionality in the multiverse. She explained it and, uh, well, basically, basically, right, it, uh, it mucks about with, um, with the atoms. 
And they'd gone and told the mayor that his contactless payment system was destroying an entire universe, but he just said something in Latin, fucked off playing table tennis. So they'd closed down the Quango, and they were unplugging it in Cheltenham at the end of the day, meaning it would still be its own universe, only we won't be able to observe it anymore. I said, what were towns in Denmark just exploding when there's card clash? And she said, the policy was, it's not our universe, so it's not our problem. No point getting sentimental about it. If a tree falls over and nobody's listening, does it make a sound? I said, fuck knows, but I do know we're making this universe explode and turn our backs on it. There's every point getting sentimental about it. Then I figured maybe Sinita wasn't the sentimental type anymore. But she said, I only found out this morning they were making us unplug it. And I'm not getting sentimental about it. Because I've been trying to think about it. Under the right conditions, a quantum intersectionality could cause a temporal counter-transference. And that'd reset the multiverse back to how it was created. It could go its own way, like it had never been messed with. She started typing all this math stuff in on computer. I just looked out the window. She said, it would have to be a Zone 1 to 3 weekly travel card. And she typed some more and said, and an American Express, expiry August 2016. And she typed some more and said, and if this is going to work, it will have to be Ryslip Gardens. She made the phone call, and in ten minutes, someone in dark glasses brought her an envelope containing an Oyster card and an American Express. The American Express was in the name of Clara von Hindenburg, but Sunita said if it came to it, I'd just have to scout it out and sent me on my way. As I tapped in at Charing Cross, I thought, what are the odds on this? That a lad from Farnworth would end up being the saviour of a whole universe. Okay, not like Jesus or one of them lot, but we're talking Flash Gordon. And then, as I was changing at Oxford Circus for Central Line, I got to thinking, well, pretty slim odds actually, that the Cabinet Office, where you have to do a health and safety course before you're allowed to plug in the kettle, would have a gateway to a parallel dimension. And... Weren't it much more likely that this was all a monumental wind-up to get back at me for locking an innocent woman in a shed for a week? And I knew I deserved it, so I kept on going. And as I walked up the stairs to the barriers at Ryslip Gardens, all I could think about was getting back with my Q48 and Sunita and everybody from the cabinet secretary on down ripping the piss until I tapped out and the gate opened and I caught the eye off another lad at the next gate. Same age as me, same hair, same suit. Tapping in. Thank you, Mike. Mike's not in the room. I mean, I've done that joke. I mean, I probably, I did that joke in the second demonstration of the system. I'm sorry to suddenly repeat it. We have now, instead of a song, a poem from Tall Tales regular Abigail Burdess. Hello, it's me, Abigail Burdess. Um, about five years ago, I thought to myself, where is the Pam Ayres poem about being married to a drinker? Um, couldn't find it, so I wrote it. Uh, this is called Stella. My husband loves another, 
I know that I am right. My husband has a lover. He stays out late at night. He's different. He's shifty. He's secreted somehow. He comes home stinking of her. I can smell her on him now. Yes, when my husband's been with her, he's quite another fella. Oh, my husband loves another. And his lover's name is Stella. Although sometimes he calls her by some fancy foreign names. Heineken or Cronenberg. Some sexy role-play game that there's, I guess, sometimes he calls his darling Cobra. Sometimes Corona. Sometimes he calls her Carling. She once made him so dizzy that he fractured his patella because he's crazy for his lover and his lover's name is Stella. I began to suspect him when he started acting strange. Hiccuping at breakfast, his looks began to change. His teeth went yellow, nose went red for her. He's grown a belly. His capillaries exploded and his breath got very smelly. Out on another date with her, he lost his twelfth umbrella because my husband has a lover and his lover's name is Stella. My suspicions deepened when he went off me in bed. Sometimes he would start something and then fall asleep. Instead, in the darkness, I'd forget her, turn over, snuggle in and realise with horror I can taste her on his skin. It was under Stella's influence that he got salmonella. Yes, my husband has a lover and his lover's name is Stella. His speech is slow, his eyes are glow. I know he's got it bad. When he isn't with her, he is angry and he's sad. He sneaks out just to be with her. He gives her lots of money. He whispers to her in the dark. He finds her very funny. Their love is like a fairy tale. A real-life Cinderella. Yes, my husband loves another, and his lover's name is Stella. Waiting up alone, I hear his keys upon the door. And then I hear his keys again. And then his keys once more. And then I hear his keys fall. And with any luck... I hear him find them in the dark. I hear him whisper. Fuck. I hear him begin to sing, yes, to sing a cappella, because my husband has a lover and his lover's name is Stella. Now, that night I confronted him. I told him that I knew. And he sobbed that he was sorry, swore that she and him are through. I said that I should hope so, so that they had better be, because if he's full of her, he really hasn't room for me. And he promised and he kissed me. Oh, he's such a lovely fella. Hadn't reckoned on his lover, the lovely, lovely Stella, for she has such a hold on him. Yes, Stella has such charms, that just the morning after, he fell back into her arms. Whatever Stella has, I know that I cannot compete. I haven't got her stamina, so I'll admit defeat. What I need is a passion, something to warm the blood. I think I'll take a lover, and my lover's name is Bud. Okay, that is us for today. I hope you have voted in name of the year. In case, by the way, you've never seen the Key and Peel sketches doing American football names, there are three of them, the last of which contains a load of real players. So you can see that the thing they do with the form is very true to the form, like all really good comedy. I've had in my head some of these names for years, and it's very hard to invent properly funny, ridiculous names without being without just going too far, but Hingle McCringleberry is one that's been stuck in my name, in my head for ages. Uh, King Prince Chambermaid is another great name that they invented. But there's some non-invented ones in this that are also particularly strong. Anyway, I'll put the links to those in case you have, for some crazy reason, never seen them. I'll put the links to those in the uh, description of the show today. That is us. Be good and well and good to each other. 
and back tomorrow. Thank you.